Hi, and welcome to Take Every Thought Captive, our weekly look at the Catholic intellectual tradition and an exploration of the author's books and topics that have shaped Catholic thinking for 2,000 years. My name is Jason Gale, and I'm joined this week by Dr. Benjamin Smith to discuss the issue of the role of philosophy in theology and apologetics, particularly when, when looking at uh, St. Thomas Aquinas. And so, Dr. Smith, uh, to get us started today, uh, we want to look at kind of just as a lecture in philosophy, this is kind of uh, your area of expertise, and what we want to do is kind of just look at the the overall role of philosophy. There was even a an interesting little debate going on in our Facebook page about uh, um, the need for philosophy for for the Christian, uh, which I think is an interesting topic. Um, but mm-hmm. why don't we just why don't we begin by just kind of uh, uh, discussing kind of the, the the basic role or maybe the foundational role of uh, philosophy when it comes to theology? Okay, great. Uh, thank you, Jason. Um, I think that uh, you know. Um, there's a lot of confusion over this point uh, at different times, and I think a lot of misconceptions that sort of come forward. Um, it leads to some interesting discussions, though, and I think discussions that we ought to uh, be open to. One thing I think you want to recognize right off the bat is that, uh, you know, the, the question of whether or not Christians should use um, uh, philosophy or the relationship of philosophy to Christian faith, you know, that's something that's been discussed for eons within the um, the history of the the church, right? Um, you know, and the Christian theologians, really from a broad perspective, have used uh, uh, philosophy. This idea that you know um, uh, Christian faith should be just completely free of philosophy uh, is really kind of a, a novum, right? It's a, it's a it's a novelty. I mean, whether you're talking about you know the Cappadocian fathers um, or Clement of Alexandria, Saint Justin, um, yeah. really. Yeah, I mean, just on and on, Justin Martyr, yeah, I mean, on and on, um, you know, uh, theologians used philosophy, uh, Cardinal uh, John Henry Newman, uh, um, even, you know, sort of in the Protestant, uh, you know, tradition, you know, uh, Cranmer and Richard Hooker and uh, so forth, all used philosophy. I mean, mm-hmm. it's, it's just it's just there, it's just a common uh, practice. But sort of trying to explain it, I guess, is what we want to do, and I think Thomas is a good guide here. Probably the best thing to do is to get clear a little bit on what we mean by faith, Right, and then we can talk about the relationship of philosophy to faith. So I don't want to say anything particularly um, <laughs> original here. <laughs> I'm just going to kind of stick with a pretty uh, uh, catechetical uh, approach here. So one thing I want to think about with faith is that it's an act, right? Um, and traditionally, it's defined uh, as um, the ascent of the intellect moved by the will under the influence of grace. Mm-hmm. Right. So that is, it's an act of the intellect, it's an ascent, right? So the mind ascents to something, um, moved by the will. So it's not compelled by evidence. That's an important point. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, an act of faith is not an act of knowledge in the strong sense, in the kind of philosophical or logical sense. It's an ascent. So, for example, you know, if you told me, uh, Jason, yeah, I don't know, uh, something about your vacation, right? Yeah. Uh, your recent vacation. I would assent to it uh, because, you know, I, I, I trust you. You're not lying to me. It would be kind of weird for you to just make up a bunch of lies about your vacation. <laughs> to me, I don't know why you would do such a thing. But, you know, the, that's still an assent, right, in the, in the sense that I, I'm, I'm not compelled by the evidence. I don't know that you did what you claim to have done on your vacation, <laughs> right? And I, I didn't observe it. I don't have any uh, corroborating testimony, et cetera. I just have your word for it, which I assent to, right? So I'm not compelled thereby. um 
uh, evidence um, whether I choose to believe you. Does that make sense? That, that's what I mean by moved by the will, right? Yeah. And I think I think your definition there brings in you know a lot of the other uh, elements of of what faith is you know particularly bringing in the intellect the will it involves the whole person but at the same time the last phrase you say you know uh, aided by grace um, right. that it's yeah. also a gift yeah so it's a, a supernatural act in that sense it's important for us not to simply reduce it to a gift from God as kind of some sort of magical thing but at the same time it's not simply um, uh, a decision by us, or can it be reduced uh, to something merely human? Um, but that right. it involves, you know, all of these things, you know, and I Absolutely. think that, you know, yeah. I think that's a good way, you know, especially we'll see as we move forward, you know, I think that's a good way to, to especially look at the relationship of philosophy and theology yeah. as well. Thanks. Yeah, I think that is. And, and, you know, I, mean, I think it's the way Thomas frames it. And a lot of people following Thomas uh, frame it that way. Um, uh, it's very useful, I think, because it does tie it to the intellect. Um, and to the will, which then allows you to say something about uh, what's really key, uh, which is the object of faith, right? Mm -hmm. So, you know, uh, when we say it's an ascent, um, it's an ascent to something, right? Right. Uh, uh, and and now, importantly, because it's an ascent to the intellect, it has an ascent. To, it's an ascent to the truth about something, right? So, anytime somebody's talking about faith, if they don't bring in the notion of truth, then we're not talking about genuine faith faith right right, right. Um, you know faith has something to do with the truth right also because it's moved by the will it has something to do with the good right because the good is the object of the will right so yeah yeah, yeah. Um, the, of course the, the the good that we're seeking here right is salvation eternal beatitude those sorts of things right so the will moves the intellect to sense to the truth of something uh in view of uh, a desire and hope and intention of beatitude and salvation. Many times people talk about either the, 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 the separation of, you know, faith and works or even like social justice warrior kind of point of view. They'll just say, well, you know, as Christians, we should just do, you know, we don't mm -hmm. need all this cerebral side of it. Whereas the classical definition and classical formulation of faith involves the whole of the person. Um, and not to mention, you know, even in the the act of the will that it it begins uh, in the intellect. Actions of the will, you know, if if they if you know actions stemming from the will do not necessarily begin in the intellect, you know, well where <laughs> what are they and where are they? You know, we usually call those our college years, you know, right? You know, like, that 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 when it comes especially to faith, that it involves it involves everything, you know, yeah, undirected urging. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I just call it college, but yeah. <laughs> I think uh, uh, that's a good point, right? Because we do need to tie what we're thinking about, what our actions, our uh, discipleship, our following of the Lord, right, to truth, right? Yeah. Uh, uh, in a clear way, um, and that's especially um, uh, important when you think about the object of faith. So you think yeah. uh, we're we're sending the truth of something. What are well, the truth of what, and uh, what faith. Um, is uh, assenting to its object, right, is um, kind of twofold, right? We can distinguish a material object and a formal object. Mm -hmm. So I'm being very scholastic here, but that's that's, that's my nature. So there you go. Um, <laughs> so first, we're, we're, we're assenting to revelation, that is, the things revealed. Right. Um, and so we're assenting to their truth, and that's the, the material object of faith, right? So the 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 claims, the judgments, the statements, the ideas, uh, the wisdom, 
revealed um, by God, we are assenting to their truth, right? Mm -hmm. Very importantly, the, the basis of this is uh, twofold. One is grace, and then the other is the formal object of faith, which is God revealing. That is, we uh, have a perception, a, um, an, an insight, an intuition, uh, however you want to put it, an experience, that God is revealing this, and therefore I will believe it because God is revealing it. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. And, and the church has even, uh, you know, talked about this, about the faith which God has revealed. It's this kind of condescension of God, uh, the fides, the fides qua, right? Right, sure. Um, of, of, of God revealing to us the faith which he has revealed. Um, right. and, and it's, you know, and it, and it's, it's something that I think, you know, for the modern person, you know, many times faith is looked down upon, but I think, you know, on a, on a secular level, we can, everybody, everybody has faith in something, whether, whether you're sure. reading a book, you know, you're having faith and unless, unless you're, you know, reading something like Nietzsche or whatever, you know, many uh, times, you know, many times, uh, uh, when you're reading a book or even like you pick up your science book, um, mm, you're having, sure. you have faith that what the author is telling you is true. Right. Um, you know, and so, you know, you have not experienced these things directly. And so some sure. element of faith needs to be involved. And so I mean, everybody understands it on a natural level, whether you're talking about, you know, reading a science book or pushing on your brake pedal in your car. I mean, you don't have uh -huh. direct knowledge uh -huh. of how of how the pedal stops the car. Sure, uh, you, you trust. Know, yeah, there's, there's an element of faith in there. Um, mm -hmm. You know, so it's, you know, I think when, you know, when we talk about faith, it's important for us to not... Uh, uh, to not let, you know, our, our interlocutor off quickly with saying, oh, well, you know, faith has to do with religion. I'm a man of science. I'm a... No, everybody, you know, there's a, there's a very natural element to all of these things we're talking about, except when it comes to uh, this supernatural faith, uh, we, you know, it's a different, it's a different object. Like sure, you're it's a different here. object. Yeah, and a, and a different, um, a different formal object. Formal Although object. I think it is good to, to point out um uh, as you do, that this is at least parallel. It's not the same, but yeah. parallel to natural faith, because when we, when very often, when we accept the testimony of someone else, um, we do so because of the person uh, giving the testimony. So, as I said, or, or the example I used earlier, if you told me what you did on your vacation, I trust you. Uh, you know, if, if you said that, I, I would trust what you had to say because I know you. Does, it, does that make sense? Right. Uh, in some way, I trust my the advice to my doctor, uh, both because, uh, you know, if just some person in the street says, hey, Dr. Smith, you need to take this pill, I'm going to say <laughs> no, right? <laughs> okay. But on the other hand, if my doctor tells me to, to take a certain um, uh, drug or a certain pill, then then I, I'm very, very likely to, to do so because of um, the person saying it, right? Yeah, both, yeah. The, the authority of his credentials, as well as my experience of his trustworthiness. Yeah, and you and you and you see this uh, in you know courtrooms. Sure. Many times the uh, the the defense attorney or the prosecutor, you know, they'll be trying to determine the credibility of the witness. You know, right. Um, sure. Uh, like you said, there's a there's a parallel natural um, understanding. Uh, yeah, to... there's a parallel. Yeah, and that helps, I think. Right, it helps yeah. to show the intelligibility of it. And also, though, it's important though to see the, the real strong distinction here, which is. Uh, that we are talking about uh, God revealing. So Thomas talks about there's a certain certitude of faith. Right. So I uh, have a strong certainty in, say, the things that were revealed in sacred scripture. 
even things that maybe are unusual, mm-hmm. baffling, shocking, etc. Um, uh, because um, I recognize, I actually want to use that word, <laughs> uh, <laughs> that they're revealed by God. Um, and so even if they're shocking or somewhat baffling, uh, because it's God revealing, mm-hmm. uh, and God is uh, obviously an infallibly trustworthy uh, source, uh, then I am certain about what God has revealed. Now, I think there's a in some Catholic apologetics sometimes I come across this strain that almost seems a little rationalistic. Mm-hmm. There's almost a, a desire to kind of like demonstrate the the faith itself, right? Yeah. Um, or the Catholic faith. And I don't think that's what Thomas has in mind here. I really think that there is, I used before the word perception, experience, that there is a supernatural experience in the person of faith of the fact that this is God, God breathed, God revealed. And I think sometimes that gets downplayed, right? Um, you know, someone as, as uh, Thomist and Aristotelian as, uh, you know, Reginald Garrigou Lagrange mm-hmm. uh, talks in his, his really excellent book on faith about the fact that you can muster a million arguments, right, uh, and and evidences in support of Christianity, but that there's still a, a, a sort of uh, a gap of infinite depth between sort of recognizing the beauty of Revelation, the you know um, the power of say sacred scripture or something like that, and recognizing that it's revealed by God, and that 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 that, that that's an supernatural moment when we come to the conviction of it's being revealed by God. Yeah, and there, there's a uh, there's a great book uh, by uh, Father Thomas Dubay mm. uh, called Faith and Certitude. Um, okay, you know it's and and he does a he does a masterful job. Uh, it was a oh, it's been a while since I've read it, um, but it's a really a really good book. Uh, I loved a lot. He's got a lot of great writings. He's got a great one on prayer as well. Um, but but the one on faith and certitude, he frames some of it, especially in the beginning, talking about you know kind of swimming in this sea of skepticism. Uh, uh-huh. Just talking about, you know, how can we have cer- certitude of, of anything, you know, and I think that's, a, I mean, I think that's a problem with Good. like a lot of people today, you know, um, you know, especially, you know, people that uh, uh, haven't studied any philosophy, they just kind of throw their hands up and they're like, well, we can't be certain about anything. So I don't <laughs> right. believe anybody, you know, like, mm-hmm. you know, it is this thing. It's, and I, so, I mean, I think it's important and even, you know, even in the catechism. I remember the first time I read it, I, I had to read it over because it was so, it struck me as odd just coming from my lack of faith and my lack of understanding was in the catechism, it says explicitly, faith is certain, mm. period. Mm-hmm. Especially this part, I think it's important for us to to dive into and to have that, that understanding so that we don't always try to, like you said, uh, just constantly be trying to prove the certainty of it in that way, sometimes in our apologetics. Uh, we mm-hmm. try to do that, you know, um, so maybe to kind of avoid that, it's important for us to have that first kind of f- foundational understanding about the certainty of it as well. Yeah, yeah. And and, and just sort of unapologetically, <laughs> so, so, so to speak, uh, to say, you know, like it, that, that there is a, uh, that this, uh, recognize at least for yourself, right, that um, that your certainty in Revelation is based on a supernatural um, um event, experience, however you want to put it, uh, of, uh, of recognizing, um, that this is God revealing. Um, so I, I think that that's, uh, that's important. Now, of course, with all of that certainty, and I think 
that that's really where you know our certainty needs to rest. It, mm -hmm. It's it's then a good question to ask. Um, you know, well then, what is the role of philosophy, right? That right. is, if if what we're saying is, well, you should assent to certain truths in virtue of a kind of uh, supernatural uh, perception or experience of um, that God is revealing, um, then then what role does philosophy have to play? Um, and you know, Thomas has has some interesting things I think to say about this. He addresses them in question one of the the Summa Theologia as well as in the Summa Contra Gentilis. One of the things, of course, very famously, is that Thomas thinks that there are certain truths that are both revealed and demonstrable by reason, right? Mm -hmm. um, now, not all of them, to right. be sure, right? Uh, in fact, maybe not even the most important ones. What? Well, let me say again, for sure, <laughs> not the most important ones. Um, but that there are some truths that are both contained in uh, Revelation uh, and so that there are objects of faith, but that also uh, may be demonstrated um, with uh, reason and with uh, philosophy. Now, uh, when I say this, sometimes people jump to the wrong conclusions here. Uh, and I think in order to avoid uh, those wrong conclusions, it's important to, to recognize um, some important qualifications that Thomas puts on this. The traditional language I'm sure you're familiar with, Jason, is the idea that these are the preambula fide. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. That is, they are objects of faith, but also something that can, that at least in principle, theoretically, can come prior to faith. So the demonstrating the existence of God, the immutability of God, those sorts of things. But again, there, Thomas put some very strong qualifications on this. Right. First, he says that uh, two things here, that it would be very few people who could reach this kind of knowledge and uh, and only after a very long time without supernatural revelation, right? Mm, so interesting. in saying that, that, that reason is capable of these things, I don't think Thomas at all intends that reason is um, uh, sufficient to learn about God, right? right. Even within its own domain. Uh, so that's a strong, a strong kind of statement there. But I think even within the domain of reasoning and intellect, um, you know, you can say that theoretically reason can discover certain truths, right, about God. Um, it's another thing to, to say whether or not that's sufficient. Um, and I think that, uh, what I want to say is for Thomas, it's not sufficient in toto, right, in the right, big picture, right. but not even in, within its own domain. And I think this is uh, demonstrable. Yeah. yeah, I think this is demonstrable in the history of philosophy. So I love the history of philosophy. Anybody, any of the any members of CSA who are working through the ancient philosophy um, course, you know, know that, uh, how valuable, uh, what a treasure uh, ancient philosophy is. And you see ancient philosophers hit on good points, right? They, yeah, they, yeah, they yeah. do come to true certain truths, but none of them really get it right either, <laughs> you know, in total, right? That is, uh, you know, um, as great as Plato is, as great as Plotinus is, as great as Aristotle is, uh, or, or or some of the other philosophers, ancient philosophers, you know, that there are um, the truths that they hit on are also mixed with many errors. Right. Uh, and interestingly, Thomas explicitly says this right in the uh, opening of the, the Summa. He says that reason without revelation, while although it can reach some true conclusions, uh, about God. Nevertheless, those true conclusions will be mixed with, he literally says, much error. Much right? error. Hmm. Yeah. So um, uh, I think we should take Thomas's word on that, uh, that he, the way he thinks about it is 
although it's it's possible for reason to do these things without uh, the guidance of um, um, of, of special revelation of, of of sacred scripture and so forth. Uh, reason will um, be inefficient, to be sure, and also uh, will be filled with much error. Yeah, and I think it's a you know it, it's it's a good starting point for sure, um, mm-hmm. and and I think it's one that that needs to take place. Um, but I also you know I also think you know when it comes to or at least and, and I'm speaking mostly from my own experience. Uh, when it comes to kind of this uh, philosophical understanding or kind of, or there's just this simply, you know, kind of reasonable understanding. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, many times we, we kind of come, not necessarily from a backwards way, but many times I think as Christians, you know, we, we, we have that faith uh, and then we're shown like, you know, oh, there's actually good reason to have this yeah, faith. Right, <laughs> you right. know, sure, and sure. We, we come at it, we come at it from a, uh, from a way where, you know, we, we, We've we've kind of begun at the top, you know. It's kind of a, a working our way backwards, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. you know. Whereas many times when we talk about you know philosophical apologetics, we're talking about moving from um, uh, um, unfaith to this uh-huh. kind of philosophical faith, and then hopefully to a to a supernatural faith. Um, whereas you know the, the the Christian or the 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 Catholic studying, hopefully, you know, it's the other way around. And I and, and the the point I want to make is that. You know, um, for me, even moving, even though it's kind of moving backwards uh, uh, in that way, or at least going back to something lesser than mm-hmm. what I already like, I, I already understand, you know, the, the salvific message of Jesus. I have faith in it and I have these things, but still, uh, uh, mm-hmm. my faith is aided sure. by going back, uh, going back and, you know, reading these, uh, uh, um, people that came before the time of Christ and seeing where, right. you know, where they come, uh, come with, uh, um, with, with their understanding about, you know, who God is and, and being mm-hmm. able to, like you said, you know, the, like, uh, you know, filled with much error, um, to, right. to be able to, to be able to point those out and say, Hey, some of those are still sure. alive today. You know, like, That's right. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. I think, you know, uh, there Thomas recognizes that in terms of the, um, the role of philosophy for the Christian, Right uh, in edification, right. Yeah. Um, uh, that is the the literally uh, the building up of the strengthening, the buttressing, right, uh, of something that's already there. So um, you know, I think one of the, the most useful things about um, uh, philosophy for a Christian, right, is certainly not that you need to base your faith on philosophy, heaven forbid, but uh, but that. Uh, you know, your, your, your faith is, is based on, on, on supernatural grace and light, but, um, uh, but it can still buttress you, right? It can still edify you. It can still build you up. It can strengthen you. It can give you a tool, maybe in a moment of doubt, to sort of uh, 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 to use in your own sort of um, uh, interior struggles. Yeah, and I, and I think even in, in, you know, and especially if you, you know, uh, uh, and you can speak more about this also with, you know, even just, you know, being able to explain and understand your faith, you know, uh, uh, I was able to do that much better after I took metaphysics, you know? Um, sure. and, and so, I mean, there's, there's many, you know, and, and so I, f- I find that very interesting, you know, St. Thomas, you know, I mean, he, he could have simply said, uh, uh, let's talk about the, the salvific, uh, uh, knowledge of God. Let's talk about the, the, the message of Jesus Christ. Uh, mm. and if you have that, you really don't need these lesser things anymore. 
you know, like he he never makes you know kind of that 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 kind of uh, uh, disparaging remarks or something like that. You know, sure. which sometimes yeah. you may hear. Well, you don't need that stuff. You know, we have you know just the Christian faith. Like no, those like you said, those things you know uh, buttress our faith. They they, they right. enforce it. They build it up, uh, which right. I think is just absolutely key. Yeah, it's yeah, it's uh, it's key. It's helpful. It's a it's an instrument that shouldn't be ignored. Um, uh, uh, for sure. Uh, one other uh, qualification here, I just want to add in, and you touched on the matter of, of saving knowledge. Uh, Thomas is, is very clear, right, that, that philosophy does not provide you with a saving knowledge of God. Mm. Um, that is um, the, the kind of knowledge that helps us to, to, to come to eternal beatitude, uh, to come to the beatific vision, uh, to come to, to God uh, and peace in God, is not something that is uh, philosophically demonstrable, right? Right. No, it's, let's say that you had the complete list in your mind, and and that you were really knew them thoroughly, all the truths that reason could come to about God. Um, uh, that wouldn't move you one inch closer, right, to uh, eternal beatitude, right? right. Um, if you are a perfect philosophical theist without grace, when you die, you still go to hell. Um, so I think you know, like. The perfect theist without grace is still going to hell, right? Yeah. If you're just thinking about it in terms of um, uh, sort of philosophical knowledge yeah. uh, of God, right? So I think that's important because again, sometimes people just get confused about this when they read some of you know these statements out of context and so forth, right? You know, oh, we can know God. Well, you know what Thomas means by that, and maybe what you mean are a little bit different, right? The kind of um, intimate and saving knowledge of God that maybe we associate with Christian faith, and rightly so. Is not exactly the same thing as what he's saying that can be achieved by uh, philosophy in this very limited way. So, what what were they again, uh, real quick? The uh, um, the kind of caveats he places on the understanding of uh, reason without okay. revelation. What were they again, quickly? So there's four here. Yeah. Very few would reach these conclusions. Okay. Uh, second, only after much time, right? So I kind of group those together and saying that reason would be inefficient. Yeah. Right. Uh, third would be filled with much error. Mm-hmm. Okay. And fourth, uh, is not saving. Is not right? saving. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Okay. So when you really bring all those four together, you know, actually Thomas has a, has a pretty modest view about, um, uh, the weight of, um, of, of reason and philosophy, um, with respect to, to the knowledge of God. Yeah. And I think when you, when you look at those, you know, you can now say, okay, well, what does, what does revelation bring to the table? Well, it opens it up from a very few to, you know, it brings it up to everybody. It can be, it can be done immediately and it removes error. And it is the saving knowledge of God. So I mean, you could even look at it maybe for that perspective and say, here's what revelation brings to reason. It, you know, it Mm -hmm. helps clarify and, uh, purify the, the 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 mistakes and things like that so sure. so like you said you know uh, well you know if 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 thomas has this view of philosophy what use is it you know okay that's right, right yeah. <laughs> so thomas wants to be i think uh, uh balanced and this is always the hardest thing to do right it's easy yeah. to either be a rationalist or a fetist uh fetist right it's easy to sort of just say well i'm not gonna accept anything that's not based on reason it's easy also to say uh I'm just going to completely neglect reason and uh, and and just go with uh, some sort of Bible alonism. Um, the uh, the harder position, right, is to uh, is to is to sort of uh, say, okay, well, 
recognizing all the significant qualifications that Thomas brings in, what then is the use of it? Mm-hmm. One thing I would say right away is uh, I hope everybody has recognized how often I've, I have used the word use. Okay, <laughs> uh, That is, um, philosophy, I think, for the Christian uh, has um, is bona mutile, right? That is, it is a useful good. Mm-hmm. Um it, uh, because we have this higher light, because we have re- wisdom revealed by, by God, um, then, you know, uh, in a certain sense, Thomas says, revelation is sufficient considered in itself. That said, it's not just in itself. It's it's revelation is to us. Right? Yeah. And so um, the, the question is, well, even if revelation is sufficient unto itself, um, uh, do is there a useful role? Is there a role for philosophy in our reception of mm. uh, revelation? And Thomas thinks so. Uh, so we've already touched on this to some degree, um, but uh, one of the things that we can use philosophy for uh, as Christians is we can use philosophy for our own edification, right? That is, it builds up, strengthens, right? That is right reason, good philosophy. Um can be used, you know, like in, in moments maybe of struggling uh, with the with faith uh, and God. My faith in God is certainly not based on the Quinquevia, the five ways of Thomas Aquinas. But at the same time, it, it helps, right? It, it, it does sort of like uh, add some uh, strengthening, some additional uh, um, uh, support to um, the faith that I, I, I have. Um, and then especially in the face of challenges, right? So right. very often... Um, challenges and criticisms are brought against the Christian faith that are based in all sorts of erroneous ideas and theories. And philosophy can uh, be used there to refute error, right? That is to refute um, erroneous challenges to Christian faith. And I think that's actually one of its primary uses for uh, the Christian. So when, you know, when some atheist rationalist says, well, there's just absolutely no reason at all for thinking that such a thing exists. Well, you can say, well, look, there is some reason, right? I mean, in fact, if you look at the history of philosophy, prior to the 20th century, the vast majority of philosophers uh, think that there are uh, reasons for the existence of God. Um, uh, in fact, I, I would say that's the consensus view historically, um, uh, that, that it's rational to assent to the existence of God. Yeah, and I think, you know, especially for the Christian, um, mm-hmm. that that not only not only does it kind of, you know, bolster your faith and in that way, but I think also when it comes to uh, uh, elements of logic, sure. um, that, that not only does it help you practically speaking, like going through somebody's argument, um, but also, I mean, just, just in your own, you know, uh, kind of, you know, building the, the, the kind of infrastructure in your head of your understanding of the faith, you know, how things are, you know, the, the interrelatedness of the things, the connections of the things. Because sure. many, I mean, because many times, I mean, we, we, we see this all the time of politicians are probably the easiest example. When you have, you know, say a politician who's lamenting um, children being ripped from their mother's arms at the border, and then on the other hand, they're upholding abortion. It's just mad, you know, it's, it's maddening on, on this side of it. But I think it comes to maybe, you know, not just apologetics, but I mean, just kind of going into this, having that or at least a little bit of uh, philosophical training 
can help kind of uh, build that infrastructure in your head so that you can see sure. the interrelatedness of, of all of these things uh, together and to, to kind of, you know, build a build a good house uh, mm-hmm. uh, in your mind of of, sure. of the, the, the way that the faith works and the way that it's mm-hmm. it's together. Because again, you know, God is not unreasonable. He's, right. he's absolutely reasonable. Sure. Um, It's not a God of confusion. Right, right, right. Uh, You know, so, I mean, you know, I think, you know, philosophy, I think, plays a huge role in in, in clarifying uh, a lot of those things. And and I think now one thing I will say is I think, you know, maybe uh, it's a little bit harder today because we have so many competing philosophies out there that are filled with a lot of error. And many times Mm -hmm. Christians can try to use them and they... Yeah, they fall into different things, you know. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, on that on that note, uh, anyway, I would just urge, uh, you know, uh, caution, and uh, you know, uh, sticking with the old paths here. Um, The uh, uh, the sound and tried is much better, and to be preferred to the untried and novel. Um, uh, I don't think there's just one philosophy that uh, the Christians can use. But I think that you are uh, sound and prudent uh, to stick to that, which has been uh, used by Christians for hundreds of years, um, at least, right? Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. That, but uh, I'll kind of stick by that. Something hasn't been used by Christians successfully for hundreds of years at this point. That I, I, I'm going to just, you know, if you want to do it, that's fine. I'm going to urge caution, yeah, uh, and say let's stick to something <laughs> that's tried true. Yeah, like as a mechanic, you know, like if I hear like you know. I see a headline where it's like, you know, they've developed a new kind of engine. I'm like, yeah, you know, I mean, <laughs> I don't know what, like, I'm going to drive my Toyota, you know, like, you know, or even like, you know, the, the, and that, and that's the thing, whether you have a, a Toyota or a, a Ford or whatever you got, you know, the, the, the basic mechanics of the internal combustion engine remain the same, <laughs> you know? Uh, uh, and anytime somebody's like, yeah, we got a new way. I'm like, I doubt if it's as good as this, you know? Uh, you know, if if you know some philosophy, though, you'll be set up to defeat a lot of these errors. Um, and again, is that going to bring somebody to saving faith? No. Is that going to produce in you saving faith? No. Uh, but one thing important uh, is it does uh, uh, put you in a situation where you can refute the error. And, you know, in doing so, I think this is important. One thing we sort of maybe neglect often in apologetics or evangelical witness is um, – um, or even just in our self-formation, is the glorification of God in our intellectual life, right? I mean, yeah. we should have a kind of zealous um, repugnance to people impugning the truth revealed by God and be sort of happy warriors, right, and refuting that and knocking it down. Now, in addition to that, and more, maybe more importantly, or at least as important, you know, we should be caring for the salvation of souls. And so, you know, tearing down those false ideas that doesn't, of course, bring somebody to saving faith. It might just make them angry. Yeah. Um, which, again, you know, some people say, "Oh, you shouldn't ever make anybody angry." I don't really buy that. I think sometimes, um, may, you know, if somebody gets angry. I mean, obviously, you shouldn't be uh, stupidly uh, impolite. <laughs> or trying to make them angry. Right? Right, that's right. Right. <laughs> but at the same time, you know, if you if you sort of you know just just show the groundlessness of their views, and they get angry about it, well. So be it, you know, uh, you know, um, unbelief, you know, is of that nature, right? It, it wants, it doesn't want to <laughs> be brought closer to the truth. And one of the, the, you know, one of the key, key elements here, even if uh, philosophy and philosophical apologetics can't bring somebody to saving faith, uh, nevertheless, um, 
uh, one of the steps towards saving faith is recognizing your own inadequacy, right? right? So uh, it can help in that kind of negative way. Now, again, people don't like speaking this way. Uh, it just, you know, for some reason, Christians are especially um, today, uh, especially, um, I don't know, uh, passive? I don't timid, know what the word timid. is. Are, yeah, timid, passive. You know, they never Weak. want to offend. <laughs> yeah, right. They, you know, it's like, oh, if I offend an unbeliever, then, it, you know. It turns him away from thing. Jesus. Right, yeah. The gospel is offensive and, right. and uh, to, the, to, the, to the unbelieving mind and heart. And so, uh, again, we shouldn't set out to offend. Right. Uh, uh, but, um, you know, showing that somebody is drowning might be offensive to them and also might save their, you know, immortal soul. Um, so in that view, right, I think, you know, that kind of destructive work uh, is, is, is worth doing. Uh, you know, scriptures talk about tearing down arguments, right? That, 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 that makes it sound like you're doing something kind of aggressive, right? Uh, and, and I think that that's fine. Yeah, and if, you, if you've ever read the Gospels, the, the Jesus himself, people walked <laughs> away from him. People got angry right. at him. Right. They chased him out of he was town. Super <laughs> yeah, I mean, he was, I mean, well, and, and again, that also goes, to, you know, to, you know, <laughs> you know, our own, our own formation. And, you know, you know, I think when you talk about, you know, refuting errors or kind of working through these difficulties with, you know, apologetically, sometimes, you know, the, the first place we need to do this is within ourselves is to say, okay, sure. what are the, what yeah. are the problems that I have with, uh, mm. with the, the Christian faith, the Catholic faith, what are the problems that I have, or what are the misunderstand? what are the things that I just don't understand? And, and, and I think, you know, having that faith, like, you know, you know, God, I, you know, I believe that, you know, your, your reason for doing this is greater than my misunderstanding. Uh, you sure. know, that's a, that's a, that's a huge act of humility to be able to do something like that, which many people lack. Um, but at the same time, like, uh, you know, especially as Christians who want to grow in their faith, we should have Ooh. the, we should have the confidence to ask those, to ask those hard questions. I don't understand this church teaching. I don't understand right. that, but you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to look into it and I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, give it, you know, a hundred percent. Um, because I believe there's, there's an answer. I believe there's an answer there that will clarify. And I believe, uh, uh, sure. there's an answer there that might even satisfy, uh, um, my misunderstanding, you know, whereas right. sometimes I think people are like, well, I kind of know what the church teaches, but I'm afraid if I look into it, uh, I still won't believe, and then I'll have, but but I'll have knowledge of my unbelief. Whereas now I'm kind of in this ignorant spot, you know. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know, no, no, don't remain like ha- have the faith to say, let's okay, let's let's figure this out, let's let's move uh, towards that understanding, and then you know, again, you know, from there you're like, okay, you know, you can see the interrelatedness, and it also makes you, from that point, it makes you uh, that much better to. Uh, to go to somebody else who may have similar things. And, and a lot of it because you have you have intellectually and logically worked through that issue. Mm-hmm. And so you can kind of, I, I, that, that makes you a better guide when you've done that thing before, obviously. Right, right, you know? yeah. So, yeah. So I think, you know, even, you know, a, a good place to begin is, you know, within yourself. Uh, sure. uh, not just for for your own faith, but for but for also kind of this, uh, uh, this apologetic... Um, consequence sure yeah yeah there you both have both the kind of the i guess both the personal edification right but also edification of your fellow christians uh but then also sort of the kind of defensive 
uh, work uh, there as well, right? That can, uh, that, um, you know, towards attacks on the faith. Um, and, and something else you said there uh, a couple times you brought up uh, that I think is important, and this more maybe the more positive uh, role of philosophy uh, with, uh, in relation to Christian faith, which is um, explication of the faith. And this is, I think, uh, nicely um, uh, kind of, th this approach is kind of nicely um, summarized by um, uh, Anselm's uh, famous statement about uh, the idea that what he is doing um, involves faith-seeking understanding. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, in some ways, you, that's one way, of course, of defining or describing theology. Right. right? But very often, and Thomas is very clear about what he's doing here, he thinks uh, that the theologian um, may use philosophy, right? So one thing, even though we end up teaching uh, Thomas Aquinas very often in philosophy classes, Thomas always thought of himself first and foremost as a theologian. Um, but he thought it was important and useful, um, important because it's useful, uh, for the theologian to employ philosophy in his teaching of sacred scripture, in his teaching of sacred doctrine. So what does he have in mind here? Um, he has in mind here that, that philosophy, used carefully and as a subordinate standard, mm -hmm. um, can be employed uh, to try to explain certain things about the faith, right? In order to try to define certain things about the faith and trying to understand them. I think maybe this is clearest sometimes in moral matters. Right. I think that any Christian... God willing, uh, affirms that adultery is a sin, okay? Um, so it's one thing to recognize that adultery is a sin, and there are various things in Scripture and uh, more broadly in tradition that can sort of help us to understand that. But philosophy can provide us with good tools for thinking clearly about uh, why adultery is wrong. So, mm -hmm. I mean, in some ways I want to say, obviously the precept, you know, thou shalt not commit adultery, should be sufficient for our practical lives, right. but it only helps and edifies and enriches for us to understand why. And so you can use the tools of philosophy, and here I have in particular in mind um, the concept of justice, to explain why adultery is wrong. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, when it comes to that faith-seeking understanding, for at least the 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 Christian, it should give us kind of like a um, an insight into what we should be doing. That okay, sure. we <laughs> we have this faith. Not only should our faith, you know, faith should uh, move us to do these works, to do these other things, mm -hmm. but at the same time, like we should seek to understand it on a deeper level, uh, out of love, you know. And I think that's, yeah, you know, sure. I think that's the key thing. A faith that really doesn't seek to understand, I, I think, is a faith that lacks love, sure. um, because if yeah. you if you if you have, uh, you know, a particular love of something, you want to know deeply about it. You want to know sure. everything about it. I mean, you think about, you know, dating a potential spouse or something. You know, you sure. you, you you seek around. You you even some some I've heard some men even go to the go to the uh, the extent of asking their asking that particular girl's friends about her or inside information yes inside information <laughs> right you know uh, uh and, and and they want to know the details about this uh, sure. about this particular girl you know I, i've heard that at least um, so <laughs> so i mean when it comes to you know our our own faith it should not it should not fall into this uh kind of uh cultural thing that we do or 
the mm. the exercise of our faith is just something I mindlessly go about, but that you know we should constantly seek to understand it more and to understand sure. it more deeply. If the that love is not there, well, maybe that's a good place to begin seeking to love God more. Um, yeah. And then when we love God more, our faith becomes stronger, and we'll, sure. we'll I think we'll actually move towards uh, seeking to understand it on a on a much deeper la- level. Absolutely, uh, yeah. I mean, you know, and just the things we've been discussing, you know, like it, it, certainly just to follow up uh, first, you know, if you love someone but you don't want to know more about them, right, then then that's that's doesn't make weird. you sound like you love them very much, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, and and so the, all the more so with God, right? I mean, that is that we should be wanting to understand. I mean, we're obviously, you know, according to our circumstances and temperaments and abilities, but um, uh, um, but we should be wanting to understand as much as possible. Uh, and uh, philosophy is useful in that in that endeavor. Um, you just think about what we've been talking about about um, uh, about faith. Everything that I've talked about, about about here with respect to faith is articulated by Thomas using a, an understanding of psychology and the psychology of human action that he developed from Aristotle and other sources, other philosophical sources. This whole idea about acts, faculties, mm-hmm. objects of action, all of that is drawn from the history of philosophy. Um, so that's just one very apparent way. Like you're trying to understand what faith is. Well, let's talk about what does it mean to, to believe something. Inevitably, as soon as you start talking about belief, you're going to be in the domain. You're going to be drawings from some philosophy or the other. I guarantee you, if you, if you, I mean, you, read, you read any writings of Augustine, like you said, Thomas, sure. like any so, of these things, you're, you're, re- you're going to read philosophy. You know, or yeah, it's, it's impossible. To, it's impossible to to read. You know, even a history of theology, without sure. the influence of philosophy. It's it's in sure. there. It's the yeah. the two are there. You know, I think you said it in the beginning. You know, like you know, uh, theology is built upon uh, mm. um, on top of uh, philosophy. You know, even though it you know the the two can be distinct, uh, 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 they're they're built upon. Uh, each other, or the, uh, theology is built upon philosophy. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's one way of putting it. Although I, <laughs> I, I, I worry a little bit about that that exact way of putting it. But well, yeah, not not to saying. say not to say that if philosophy is removed, you lose all of theology. That's, right. uh, that's uh, right. let me clarify <laughs> that. There we go. Is that better? Yeah, I mean, I like what you said earlier about the top-down approach, right? That is, you know, I I, I came to to believe in God. Um, very much as a little boy and you know i mean i hadn't studied any philosophy then it was just kind of the church i was brought up in and um and that grew over time right um and as i eventually came to the study of philosophy it was very natural to me maybe because of my temperament and my interest um but i began to adopt philosophies because they helped me understand my faith more does that make sense yeah you know, yeah, exactly. it wasn't at all. It wasn't at all that like the uh, the philosophy existed before the faith. It was rather there was faith there, and then I saw, oh, look, there's things like John Stuart Mill and his views about liberty and individuality that are completely opposed to Christian faith. <laughs> I'm going to argue against that, and then I come across Aristotle, and I find, oh, well, he's got some errors in there, but he's got some points that and some arguments that are consistent with Christian faith, and so I'm going to you know adopt that. Um, and then, you know, going further with that, eventually I ran, you know, learned more about Thomas Aquinas and his appropriation of Aristotle. 
And I thought, oh, okay, well, this does actually help me to understand more, right? So I can actually understand, as a, going back here, like, what is faith? What is, uh, why is adultery wrong? Um, you know, one of the things I, I found very useful over the years is employing Thomas's and Aristotle's, but really Thomas, Thomas's understanding of God as first cause mm -hmm. to think about, you know, the lordship of God, the supremacy of God, um, thinking about providence. You know, we say God's the supreme being. Okay, that's fine. But what the heck does that mean? <laughs> and, um, you know, uh, it doesn't just mean bigger, right? I mean, that's, you know, bigger and better doesn't quite cut it. Uh, you know, like God is a bigger and better something, right? Well, what is that? Thomas's idea, the way Thomas sort of systematically employs uh, the notion of first cause has given me a lot of tools with which to understand um and to think about uh, what it means to say that God is a supreme being. I think, you know, philosophy also aids, you know, our, our own meditation and mental prayer. Sure. Um, you know, when you think about, okay, so if, you know, if this is how, say, I don't know, uh, you know, uh, matter and form work. Mm -hmm. uh, okay. You know, or this is, this is what a, a, something has essence, something has existence. What is, what does that mean? Okay. What does that mean for God? What does that mean for all of these particular things about our faith, it, it really leads into, you know, I think a deeper, a deeper meditation and a deeper mental prayer. Uh, and, and again, you know, bolstering our understanding with the aid of grace. We've talked about here before, you know, there's a primacy to the interior life, which is uh, sure. not just, you know, our prayer life, and it's not just our intellectual life, but the but the two come together. And I think that's really where, where Anselm is coming from with his faith-seeking understanding. Just to kind of summarize here a couple of things, um, uh, just, you know, in terms of the use of philosophy, so keeping in mind all the sure. qualifications made before, the uh, in terms of the use of philosophy, one, philosophy can be used in sort of the apologetic sense, especially in terms of refuting error. Uh, so I think philosophy is useful to the Christian in the refutation of error. Uh, second, philosophy is useful, um, again, this is kind of an apologetic, but uh, mm -hmm. in terms of edification, right? And then third, um, in terms of explication, that is faith-seeking understanding, philosophy can be used to understand uh, uh, the faith uh, uh, more deeply. Um, I guess one thing I want to add to all of this is a response to a potential objection that you run into sometimes, uh, which is uh, the view that, well, you know, isn't, isn't, shouldn't revelation, I mean, if revelation is sufficient in itself, isn't sort of philosophy right. superfluous to the Christian? Um, and uh, I, I'm sensitive to that objection because I do hold a high, uh, you know, appropriately, I hope, a high view of revelation, of sacred scripture, and so forth. Um, and I certainly think, you know, if, uh, you know, you, you should spend more time, right, uh, uh, with sacred scripture than philosophy. Um, but at the same time, um, uh, I don't think that philosophy is superfluous and more, uh, for the reasons already stated. But in addition to, to what I've already said, um, philosophy right, just right. is unavoidable. Uh, it's in the air we breathe. If you never step into a philosophy classroom or open a philosophy book, you are still mm -hmm. impacted by philosophy. We live in the United States of America, which, you know, it's my country and it has its uh, uh, strengths and weaknesses, its, its beauties and its blemishes. But at the same time, right, we should recognize that it grew out of uh, certain philosophical ideas, right? And those philosophical ideas sort of um, are, are just in the culture, 
right? Uh, those some of those ideas are, are are sound and interesting, and some of them probably are, are problematic. Um, in addition to that, you know, uh, over the over the last couple of centuries in America, we've picked up other additional philo uh, philosophical ideas, ideas about utility, utilitarianism, progress, uh, socialistic ideas, ideas about sexual revolution uh, in the 1960s, uh, ideas about autonomy. Um, all of which are just deeply mm -hmm. embedded in our society. Um, and they and here's the thing is they affect you. They're there. And unless you are actively and thoughtfully purifying your mind, they're going to be uh, affecting you, especially in the areas you know, a real obvious example of this is the word love, right? If you're not thinking clearly about this, you're going to misunderstand what the Bible <laughs> has to say about love, right? Because, what you're going to do is you're going to think, oh, the Bible says love here, and that's love like uh, Beyonce <laughs> says, or that's love like, you know, whatever else, right, uh, that's out there, or Oprah Winfrey or whoever, right? Yeah. And 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 that's just false. That's erroneous. It's incorrect. You're misunderstanding, and you're misunderstanding uh, sacred scripture because right, you're adopting a philosophical perspective through which you, you're, you're reading scripture that's false. Now you say, well, we should just get rid of philosophy. But what I'm telling you is you can't, right? If you are in this veil of tears, right, then, you know, you're going to be, uh, you're going to be in time and place and history and in a culture. And that, that time and place and culture is going to have ideas in it. And those ideas are ultimately going to be philosophical. So you just got to wake up to the fact that there's no easy, I can just kind of ignore it thing, right? Um, same thing about ideas about justice, right? That justice exists in everything being absolutely equal um, is nonsense philosophically, but certainly is not true uh, of the Bible. And I don't hear what I'm not saying. I think equality is a fine moral value. It doesn't, though, uh, justice doesn't consist exclusively and the idea that everything has to be exactly the same, that's, that, as I say, that's nonsense. Obviously, you should treat your wife differently than other women. Um, so the um, uh, those are just a couple of points, I think, about the inescapability of philosophy. Uh, and, and so the uh, I guess the question or the challenge or the objection to what I'm saying about the usefulness of philosophy, that question is based on a false premise. And that false premise is... Uh, that you can somehow escape philosophy. I think even, you know, whether it be the negative way of, you know, you're being influenced by all these bad philosophies, but also, you know, from, I think from the, the positive, sure. the positive side, you can't escape uh, philosophy like we just talked about. It's impossible to read the breadth of Catholic theology without, without philosophy. Sure. And, and again, this is why the church, you know, has asked uh, priests and those preparing for orders to study philosophy and then theology, mm -hmm. uh, um, that it's that it's so important uh, sure. for them to uh, uh, be studied together. Urge everybody just to think about this and, and you know, to, to not ignore these matters, to think maybe for themselves um, um, about what philosophical ideas, what ideas about truth, uh, about goodness, about learning, etc., that are in their minds and ask themselves, you know, like, well, where do these ideas come from, <laughs> right? Um, and uh, while we certainly want to avoid vain philosophy, as uh, philosophies, as the New Testament tells us, uh, in addition, um, uh, you know, we want to, 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 though, also look for what's sound, right? And so I think, uh, you know, a, a bit of guidance here, you know, is given to us in uh, Philippians uh, chapter four, right? Where, um, you know, in the New Testament, we're told, right, uh, I'll just, I'll just read it for you here, that we're, we're to, we're to, to study those things that are praiseworthy, right? So 
Um, the author says that finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honorable, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, mm -hmm. think of these things. And I think that while philosophy certainly has many uh, uh, errors in it, there's also many things in it uh, that fit that sort of description, things that are true, things that are pure, things that are lovely uh, and good. And they can only, uh, and you know, as long as those mm -hmm. things are subordinate to, um, you know, uh, revelation and used uh, then uh, as tools and instruments, uh, they can be very valuable tools and instruments uh, in our life as Christians. Absolutely. And I think necessary tools in today's uh, uh, sea of bad philosophies as well. <laughs> All right. That'll do it for us today at uh, Take Every Thought Captive. I want to thank everybody for listening to us. In the meantime, check us out at catholicstudiesacademy.com. Uh, you can find all of our courses, all of our free content there, and you can study philosophy and theology uh, with us, and particularly philosophy with Dr. Smith and theology with Dr. Buzakelli. Uh, so until next time, God bless.